It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. Democracy 2022 rolls on with tonight's focus on highly contested races in Pennsylvania and North Carolina. And we're seeing unaffiliated voters voting at a much greater rate than any other primary in our past several years. This as President Biden prepares for his first Asian summit later this week. More on these stories and more we bring in our panel, President and co-founder of Real Clear Politics, Tom Bevin, national political correspondent for NPR, Mara Liason, and Republican strategist, former campaign manager for Senator Scott Brown, Colin Reed. Uh, Tom, tonight, obviously, a lot of focus on Pennsylvania and that Senate race and the Republican side in particular. Uh, boy, it is coming down to the wire, and you wonder the power of the Trump vote, and it will be tested tonight. It, it definitely will. I mean, this has turned into, I mean, for, for a moment, it seemed like it was a three-way race, and I guess it still is, but it seems to uh, be more of a two-person race. You know, we had a, a final poll from the Trafalgar uh, group, which is a Republican polling firm, come out showing Oz up two points. We had an Emerson poll the day before that showing Oz up five. So he's up about two and a half points in our real clear politics average. Uh, Barnett is right there and McCormick is down about 19.6%. So he's fallen off a little bit, but um, it, it is absolutely, uh, you know, according to all the data, Oz is ahead in every single poll, but not by much. And so uh, it'll certainly, Barnett certainly has a chance to win it. And, you know, the dynamics of this race have been really interesting with, with Trump, his endorsement of Oz, it upset a lot of conservatives. And then you had this Barnett surge just in the last couple of weeks from, you know, from fifth place to, to second place. So um, a pretty interesting uh, situation there, and it's going to be fun to watch tonight. Yeah, Mara, the, as you look towards a general, whoever is in that Republican-nominated seat uh, is likely going to face the Lieutenant Governor Fetterman, who's, uh, by the way, going under a procedure for uh, uh, pacemaker as we speak. And, uh, you know, that matchup is fascinating. Oh my goodness. Yeah, the Matt, the Pennsylvania race, if you're a political junkie, there's nowhere better to be than Pennsylvania right now. It's insane, actually. Um, so we don't know who's going to win the Republican race, but we are pretty sure that Fetterman will win the Democratic race because the candidate who fit the mold of everything that we've been taught to believe is the only way Democrats can win Pennsylvania by nominating a moderate, Connor Lamb, he just never caught, caught on. And so you have the lieutenant governor, the six foot eight, bald, tattooed, Harvard graduate, of course, uh, guy who wears a hoodie and shorts 20, uh, 365 days a year. Uh, he was the front runner. And all of a sudden he had a stroke. He's in the hospital. And um, there are a lot of Democrats who are worried about his viability in a general election. 
but they also feel confident that they can beat Dr. Oz uh, or Kathy Barnett. Uh, they thought that David McCormick was going to be the toughest to beat, the hedge fund guy who kind of fit the mold of the Pennsylvania moderate Republicans. So who knows what's going to happen? But this is a wild, wild race all along and all around. We haven't even talked about the governor's race. Yeah. And I just think, Colin, it's interesting um, dichotomy because you look at this race and we are always analyzing the, the power, political power of the former president. Uh, but but it's also bigger about where the issues are for Pennsylvania and what how Republicans are, are poised there and how Democrats are on defensive and do the issues shift by the time we get to November? Well, Brett, and, and to Tom's point, these three-person races always create interesting dynamics. It's not as though it's a one-on-one -on -one race. It's I think it's a uh, a three-way jump ball here yeah, with the anti-Oz vote being split between two vessels in Barnett and McCormick. Uh, but I think the thing beyond just the endorsement of the former president and, and the significance that carries is this question of authenticity. Uh, and each of these Republican candidates has had their authenticity questioned in certain ways uh, about their, their motivations for running and why they were there. And I think uh, that's why you've seen this, this late-minute surge from, from Barnett. I'm not sure uh, if she has enough time or runway to, to, to get over the, the finish line and how much of it is just a, a media sensation uh, more so than actual uh, more so than actual uh, momentum on the ground and then on the Democratic side John Fetterman uh, yeah he's 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 a larger than life personality in every sense of the word and he, he oozes authenticity in many ways uh, but he's also far to the left I would argue as to where the electorate of the state is he's someone who's been attacked by folks like James Carville who's, who's running a super PAC supporting Connor Lamb uh, he supports Medicare for all he's someone who's been out there blasting uh, mansion and cinema in the Senate for blocking Biden's agenda for standing in the way of build back better and any way you slice and dice it this is going to be a close election in the fall only once since 1988 as a Republican uh, carried president uh, carried Pennsylvania at the presidential level and that was Donald Trump in 2016 it's a blue state that has gotten uh, a slightly redder as the Democratic Party has moved left in recent years but it's going to be a, a close race in the, in the fall uh, no matter which way uh, you, you look at it five years ago today, May 17, 2017, Robert Mueller was appointed special counsel to investigate whether the Trump campaign coordinated colluded with Russia to influence the 2016 presidential election. Seems like a long, long time ago in a land far, far away. But um, here we are, and the Durham uh, investigation is actually going to trial with the trial of Michael Sussman, a Clinton uh, lawyer. And Tom, you know, there is interest on the Republican side, obviously, but uh, as this is laid out, and we're obviously following it day to day, the allegation is, is that this was meant to be some kind of October surprise that the Clinton campaign was going to feed into the FBI and thereby start this, these questions, which in all accounts was very successful uh, to bring questions about whether the former president was a, a Russian agent. Uh, and do people care about this as it moves forward? I know we do because we followed it from the beginning <laughs> and a number of Republicans care about it. But in the broad populace, is it something that says, wait a second, that was wrong? You know, that's a good question, Brad. I, I tend to think to your point, I mean, this has been going on for so long now. Um, and it really, it, you know, once Trump left office, 
Um, I, I do think Republicans, particularly Trump supporters, are invested in this and want to see a conviction here. And if they don't, they're going to be disappointed. And Democrats will will crow and say, "Look, there was you know there was no there was no uh, you know hoax or this wasn't coordinated through the Clinton campaign, et cetera, et cetera." But uh, yeah, by and large, in terms of the political landscape, it's it's I don't think it really registers. It's not going to move a lot of votes. I don't think independents care about it. Certainly not when it's you know, we've got record gas prices across the country and, and people are really focused on their, their economic situation, among other things. So it is now, I think, you know, when Trump was in office, I mean, there's no question the daily drumbeat of this was a real problem for him. It definitely wore him down, his approval rating, his trust rating, all of that with the American public. Um, but but now it's, it is more just a, an inside the beltway thing that people are who have followed this for five years on a sort of daily basis, you know, are, are still following this to, to its final conclusion. Yeah. I mean, listen, it also affected his mood, his tweets, sure, everything. Yep. Uh, and you can, you can imagine how that may have affected some votes along the way. Um, and Mara, not to go too down in the weeds of this, but if they eventually get to this narrative, that proves to be true and they prove their case about him lying uh and they kind of lay it out will there be a, a come to jesus moment in in washington well that's a good question and there are a lot of ifs in there i mean this could be a very narrow case about whether sussman lied or didn't lie and it won't connect to some bigger meta narrative about how trump was wronged um, so I think we just have to wait and see. Uh, I feel like everything that's happening now is just so much more, has people's imaginations and attentions gripped so much more than the kind of Russia hoax, as Trump would put it, or um, Trump's willing acceptance of Russian help, as, as the Democrats would put it. I think that's really in the rearview mirror. We'll hear more after this. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Colin, the president, uh, going to Buffalo, the scene of that tragic shooting, horrible shooting, leaving 10 dead. Uh, the president saying this. Phil and I have come uh, to stand with you. And to the families, we've come to grieve with you. It's not the same, but we know a little bit what it's like to lose a piece of your soul. Colin, it was interesting. He got very passionate, turned pretty political. Uh, and, you know, how does that pitch? Obviously, it's tragic. It's horrible. This is a mentally ill um, person who had a manifesto and all kinds of things. Uh, but in the broad picture of things, is the president going down the right road with this when maybe he doesn't go to uh, the dozens of other shootings that happened in Chicago or Detroit or other places around around the, the country? Well, to me, it was a good thing he went. It was good for the president to be seen there. But I, I think a, a more concerning trend is this uh, only willingness to call out evil. And that's what happened uh, over the weekend in Buffalo. Uh, when it suits one's political needs or political narrative, uh, we should be able to at least come together in moments like this and, and put the political barbs down for a second and, 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 and reflect and heal as a nation. And 
uh, for all people, Joe Biden is the guy, of course, who ran and promising to heal this country and bring it together. So uh, if there was ever a time not to be uh, having a, a, a political uh, agenda, you'd think it'd be at a moment like this. And uh, hopefully it's something that we uh, this country can uh, at some point uh, move on for and, and, and let cooler heads prevail. Now, Tom. Look, it, it, this is a this is a movie that we've we've seen, unfortunately, um, a number of times in in recent years, and it always plays out the same way, uh, it, you know, and, and it's it's unfortunate because everything in our our life now is so political. And so Democrats immediately try and, you know, uh, tie this to Republicans. We saw all sorts of articles saying that that they, you know, this this person didn't represent, uh, you know, a lone wolf. He was actually the mainstream of the Republican Party. People have been taking after Tucker Carlson and others about the great replacement theory and all of that. Um, it's unfortunate that that's how this, this debate tends to go. Um, but as far as the, you know, sort of political impact, I mean, there's just, there's no, and we'll have a conversation, you know, Democrats will gravitate toward guns, Republicans will gravitate toward, uh, you know, um, mental health and just individual evil, but nothing's going to get, nothing will change, particularly in an election year where Democrats have such slim majorities in the House and the Senate. So um, unfortunately, this is a, a re replay of a movie we've seen uh, far too many times. Is there any danger here, Mara, on either side? Obviously, we're talking about different things that are very excitable. Uh, and when you go down that road, uh, it, it fires up somebody that shouldn't be fired up. Well, yeah, well, look, there's a big worry about copycat crimes. Don't forget that we've now had a series of mass shootings around the world, New Zealand, Pittsburgh Synagogue, and now Buffalo, where they all seem to have been inspired by each other uh, and by uh, on the kind of edges of the dark web, where they are proponents of this ideology of hate, hatred of immigrants that they feel are going to replace white people, whether that's a form of mental derangement or not, or not we can argue about it. But uh, it's, this doesn't seem to be an isolated incident. Now, you know, what to do about it is a whole other question. I agree with Tom, there certainly is not going to be gun restrictions passed in Congress. Uh, and I don't really know what else can be done except for a law enforcement focus on this kind of uh, domestic terrorism. Yeah, and I hate the whole what aboutism. I hate the whole back and forth about stories like this. I mean, get, getting lost in the mix is obviously the families dealing with this loss. It is good to see the president consoling those families and taking time. Um, but not to play the what aboutism, we spent zero time talking about the shooter of that was espousing progressive ideology uh, and, and Bernie Sanders loyalty uh, at that baseball field, uh, shooting GOP lawmakers. And there was not, uh, Tom, a analysis of what that meant in the bigger picture. Uh, I, I do think this is you know, right and just, and there should be, everybody should be calling it out. But I do think there have to, has to be some kind of big picture 30,000 foot balance to it all. That's what. Yeah. I, well, listen, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of how this goes. I mean, you have a, you have a media complex that anything that fits the preconceived narrative, right. Is, is pushed forward. Um, I mean, just go look at the New York times this morning. I mean, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven stories on 
the Buffalo attack. One of them is talking about, uh, you know, racist attacks by lights, uh, Stefanik's echo of replacement theory. Republicans play on fears of great replacement and bid for base voters. I mean, you know, and, and to your point, um, other, other tragedies that don't fit the narrative kind of get glossed over, including the one in Waukesha. I mean, Biden didn't even go there. Um, and, and that was one that I think, uh, you know, Republicans look at that and think that 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 because that didn't fit the narrative, it didn't get the kind of of scrutiny and media frenzy that that this one is getting. And so, it is um, again, it's it's an unfortunate thing that that this is the way that the these things go and have gone for far too many times. And and you'd like to see the, everybody kind of, especially around moments like this, tragedies like this, lay down their their partisan you know, weapons and, and, you know, uh, console the victims and, uh, and try and move forward. But that's just not how we're, that's not the political environment we're in right now. Uh, last thing, as we turn uh, the page kind of on COVID, there's some thoughts of COVID coming back, Colin, uh, in, in different areas. Other people are saying it's never going to leave, but we're dealing with it as a country. And there are more and more stories, even in the New York Times, about how it turns out that the fatality rates among young kids or 25 and younger were minuscule and uh, policy was wrong uh, in dealing with how, how the shutdowns worked. This was a piece over the weekend, didn't get a lot of pickup, but uh, is, do you think we are going to see a reanalysis of how bad perhaps the public policy decisions were in the early days? Absolutely. And look, hindsight is always 2020, especially in the once in a lifetime or once in a century pandemic like this. Uh, but I certainly think especially the, the policies as it relates to the development of kids in schools is going to be one that the long arc of history is not is not going to be kind toward uh, as far as our, our public policy. And I also think there's there's some chatter now looking ahead a bit if if cases tick up I know there's some places in uh, New York City is now or New York State is beginning to encourage mask wearing in, in indoors in certain places I just think there's very little appetite uh, amongst the American public as a whole to go back to any of these measures uh, the purpose of these vaccines was supposed to provide a sense of normalcy was to provide people the ability to go get vaccinated and then go live your life that was kind of the deal and uh, if any of these politicians try and uh, go backwards even even it just seems to me uh the the appetite there is is, is not there and uh it's going to be it's going to be an uphill climb and uh we as a society are all going to have to learn how to uh live with the risk manage the risk mitigate the risk as we best see fit but uh going back to mandatory lockdowns or or some of these other uh measures that were in place over the last few years uh it seems like a no it seems like a non-starter yeah mara i mean caution is one thing but politically how does this play Oh, look, you talk about what will we review these decisions? The political reckoning has already started. What One of the main reasons that there's not a Democratic governor of Virginia is because of this. Um, there's no doubt that uh, the public has decided that it was an overreaction and a wrong choice to keep kids either out of school for as long as they were kept out of school, or in some cases to keep them masked in school. So I think that reckoning has already started. Uh, I think the big thing that we've learned that I hope that there can be consensus on is that vaccines work. And the more people who are vaccinated and boosted, the less of a problem COVID is going to become at all ages. Um, 
but yeah, I think that there's uh, the public has has rendered some pretty harsh judgments about people who thought keeping things locked down was the right way to go. All right, guys, thank you. Now for a bit of history, May 17th, 1954, a landmark ruling. The Supreme Court decided unanimously that racial segregation in public schools violates the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. Brown versus Board of Education decision declared that separate schools for white and black students were inherently unequal. The decision would help usher in the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Colin, Tom, and Mara, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.